Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode 290, recorded September 2nd, 2018. So today we finish off the Broken Mirror series, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, IDW. Mirror uh, broken. started last week. Exactly. Exactly. How did Mirror Picard get the Mirror Enterprise? That's what it's about. Exactly. How did they get it, and then how did he keep it, especially after getting into a bit of a sticky wicket? Not long after having the ship. Yeah, but, uh, spoiler, now they know he gets it. Exactly. It's not going to stay uh, a secret for long. (laughs) Yes, so again, by the Tipton Brothers and uh, J.K. Woodward. I really enjoyed this series, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next Mirror Universe uh, series that the Tibbsons are doing. Very cool. Like I think we said in the previous uh, episode, not only is the writing really solid, the artwork is really good, too. There are things in the artwork that's being done I just love and is adding to my enjoyment, and then there's uh, good stuff going on in the writing also. Right. And again, like we said last time, uh, these aren't just goatee wearing mirror duplicates of the original crew they all are flushed out and you can actually kind of see where where they're coming from in in this this weird universe how these people that we think we know and love could uh come out a little differently um if situations were different yes indeed and, and enjoyable yes so with saying that shall we just go ahead and jump into it and finish the these last three issues off let's do it man all right, so I get to do number three. Uh, this is, again, by IDW. The cover date is July 2017. The art staff was by J.K. Woodward. The writers were David Tipton and Scott Tipton. Colors by Charlie Cherkoff. Letters by Anne World Design. Edits, Sarah Gatos. Editorial assist by Chase Moritz. Production design, Neil Yutaki. And publisher was Ted Adams. So this being IDW, there are lots of covers. So the first cover is by J.K. Woodward, and it shows Mirror Picard in an agonizing booth, uh, and he's like screaming because he's uh, being tortured. And then we, off to the side, we see that it's a young, spiky-haired Wesley Crusher adjusting the knobs to the uh, the agonizer, and then Beverly Crusher is looking on behind him. The next cover is by George Castodas. And it kind of shows what maybe looks like a Black Widow from Marvel, but it's actually Beverly Crusher with uh, the red hair, and she's holding up a black badge of some sort. It's kind of different. And then the last cover, this is the uh, retail variant cover. It is by Tony Shastine, and it shows a playing card, a Queen of Hearts, and it's uh, Diana Troy. So the top Part of the card shows Mirror Diana Troy. Then the bottom part of the card shows regular Diana Troy, but upside down, like a normal playing card would look. 
So the story starts back on the ISS Enterprise D. Captain Jellico has just arrived to inspect his new ship. On his rounds, he heads to medical and he meets Dr. Crusher and her slow-witted son. Jellico does not like having her son there and he threatens to beam him off if he ever interferes with the doctor's work. Once the captain departs medical bay, Wesley drops the facade and about being slow. Back on the bridge, Jellico arrives and he orders the Enterprise to leave the protection of the cloaking net and begin his mission. Meanwhile, on the ISS Stargazer, Picard readies his people in the shuttle bay. And once the Enterprise is within range, they all beam over to the Enterprise thanks to Leah Brahms. The takeover of the Enterprise has begun. Armed with phaser rifles, a couple of dozen of the Starcaser's crew are able to take over all the vital parts of the Enterprise, including the bridge and engineering. After Jellico is captured, Data and Riker discuss the future of the ship, and Data reminds Riker not to get any funny ideas about turning on Picard like he just did Jellico. Later, Picard makes a tour of his new ship, also making a stop by medical. Here he has a discussion with Crusher and her son, who is no longer pretending to be dumb, but is in fact a super genius. The Crushers align themselves with Picard and his new agenda. Later, Jellicoe is dragged into the cargo bay and jettisoned into the void of space, never to bother anyone again. To be continued. Ha! Okay. So, uh, with Jellicoe being spaced... It just uh, reminds me. I was just wondering if I was watching Battlestar Galactica or not. Uh, the new one. Uh, the new one. There was a lot of talk about spacing people. Well, then they did it to. Uh, they did it to the the guy who was a, one of the Cylon people, right? They did it to I multiple. I kind of remember that. Yeah. Um, I, if I remember correctly, um, Chief Engineer Tyrrell, right? His wife gets spaced. Right. Uh, also. So people got spaced. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, cool to see Jellico get spaced. And uh, his eyes, like, bulging, a la... What was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie he was in? Uh, uh, that was Total Recall. That's it, Total Recall. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I kind of wish they would have just shown him flying out of the airlock, but have super long arms for no apparent reason, like he did at the end of uh, <laughs> RoboCop. <laughs> When he fell out of the out of the window, uh huh. That has always bothered me. That for whatever reason, it looks like he has an extra foot or so of arm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Or? Uh no, I'd have to look at that again. Uh, you got you got to watch it. So when when that was he, RoboCop two? No, it was RoboCop one. Oh, was the first one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. When when uh, Dick Jones is shot out of the window, uh, he has like super long arms for for no reason. <laughs> Dick Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, Jellico, he's gone, and yeah. uh, and yes, spoiler alert, I did. Yes, they've got the ship. Good for them. Right. Yeah, it, it went pretty smoothly. I think. I mean, all they really did is just walk around with phasers, and for the most part, everybody just kind of gave up. Not a lot of fighting these people. I mean, I think Jordy had to kill one person, and they killed like two or three people on the bridge. Right. Some of the bridge people. And as we'll see as the uh, next issue goes, there are Jellico loyalists on the ship. Just not enough right. <laughs> to, to put up too much of a fight. Right. But I'll tell you, when you take over a ship like that, it's like, uh, how do you know who to trust and who not to trust? 
Right, and I and I don't think they ever say it in the next issue. But what happens to the Stargazer? I mean, not everybody beamed over, so they didn't scuttle the ship or anything. So, no. is it out there uh, flying around too? They disabled the ship. Do they? Okay, good. Yeah, so they they sabotaged it. They didn't destroy it. They just sabotaged it. Okay, kind of like in Star Trek Three. Uh, yeah, what I guess. They, what yeah, they, they did to the Excelsior. Yeah, they didn't want anybody to be following them or using the ship against them. So, gotcha. but they did take everybody. Apparently, everybody that was loyal. They took everybody. In this one? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not a lot of people there on the. Oh no, the no, no, no! You're right. They, they only they only took across what a hundred people. That's right. They took a hundred people, and then they left the rest, and then they disabled the ship. All right. So that the people sense. they left behind couldn't get any funny ideas in their head and try to interfere with Picard on his new ship. Or contact the higher-ups and tell them what's going on. Exactly. All right. So it was, it was 100 people. 100 people. Uh, nice. Well, they, they brought 100 people with them, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, a cargo bay full. Right. Yeah. I didn't count them. I think when Troy reported back on how many people she thought were worthwhile taking, it was around 100. Oh, yeah. She said 150. So. Oh, 150? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever I'd the number f- is. I'd forgotten that part was in there. Yeah. Very good. Just now, you and I speaking, I'm noticing something, which I did not notice in the first uh, times I've been reading through these comics. Is Dr. Crusher missing her right leg? Uh, I had not noticed. Okay, well, uh, um, I'm looking... Oh, yeah, they're on... I'm looking at the page now. It looks oh, like she's okay. kind of floating. Well... I'm it... assuming she's walking. With her right leg way behind and up in the air? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Okay, but yeah. that's... Because I'm now scanning different pages to see if I can see any pages that show her legs. You know, both. Right. And it might be the kind of thing where... Oh no! There, oh, there she is. Yeah, she's got her legs. Or here's another one that that shows her both legs. Okay, fine. That's just. Yeah, I was a gonna. Panel. I was gonna pull up the cover. The cover. Her legs are covered, so you can't see. Yeah, it's All hard right. to tell. I just saw one where she had her legs. Okay, that's fine. Oh yeah, there um, when she's talking to Wesley. There you go. Yep, she's got two. Yeah, she's just that two. one picture uh, when she's with Picard. It does look like she only has one leg. <laughs> like, like she's just dangling there. <laughs> like, 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 like that left leg is like trembling because she's holding up both sides, you know, without with only one leg. Anyway, right? Interesting. So I like the electronic hailing whistle when Jellico came aboard. Uh, I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Now, did I, didn't they use that in one of the movies? The, yeah, the Taws was, movies. Was was that in oh, the motion picture or maybe in Wrath of Khan? I know somebody was using it. Was it was definitely in the motion picture. Okay, the motion picture. There you go. Okay, yeah. fine. So kind of cool that they kind of brought that back. Right. It doesn't make sense, though, but yeah. Well, what, what does it make sense about it? I mean, you have to actually blow on it, and it's – so is it electronic or is it like a woodwind? Well, maybe it's electronic, but yeah. it still is influenced by the breath. So maybe mm. there is some – it's not just a, re, a playback of an MP3. <laughs> but right. you're actually – you're blowing into it has some effect on the electronics. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it's tradition. Maybe it is just an MP3 and it just, you know, hey, put it, put it to your mouth. You just got to hold it up to your mouth, yeah. That's tradition. Yeah, I didn't go back to see if it looks – did it look the same in the old show? 
If it was the same one, the same design. Oh, in the old show? Uh, well, in the in that movie or whichever. Oh, movie in the movie, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, they they have a nice little close up of it, and I'm gonna bet it's pretty close to what they used in the uh, in the movie. But I don't know. I didn't compare it. I didn't. Right. I wasn't even sure. I thought it was probably in the motion picture, but I wasn't 100 percent sure. But right. you confirmed. Great. So speaking of artwork, the one thing that kept bothering me, and and she's only in like three panels, but mm-hmm. Leah Brahms looks super young, like a teenager. And not not like the serious scientist that I remember her from the TV show. No, you're right. And she's a drunk, so. Well, she doesn't drink in this one, but yeah, she was in the last issue. Yeah, she was hitting the sauce pretty hard. So maybe that's why she's all so smiley here is because she's, she's completely plastered. <laughs> it's like, yes, Could be. it's all good. Yeah, because the boarding party, you know, and they got the stupid uh, Deep Space Nine phaser rifles, which I hate. Oh, and those. oh, come on! Come on, they're huge. They, they suck. It's a bad design. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, Leia's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go shoot people!" Yay! You know, right? Maybe, people maybe she, she probably had it. lunch with just earlier that day. Exactly. Exactly. She's been on the ship several times. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. She worked with these. Apparently, people. this is yeah. her crew. Okay, so since we brought it up, let's talk about those phaser rifles. It just yeah. looks. It they look stupid. So it looks like the front ha- front part of a hand phaser, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. And then they just stick a whole bunch of like silver metal parts on the back of it with a hand- with a with the trigger, yeah. Well, and, and then you got a hand, then you got two handles coming down like 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 pistol grip kind of things, right? I say I hate those. <laughs> I hate them, hate them, hate them. And I think the first time I ever saw them is when, uh, well, Deep Space Nine, right? Is that right, what, deep first place? Yeah. right, and and especially when they were trying to deal with the shapeshifters and stuff, and they would have these the, these phaser rifles. I just I just don't like them. Don't but like you like you like the old one. You like the Taz one with oh, the, I love the dish that. on the end and all that stuff. <laughs> I love that. That's classic. <laughs> That's rocking it old school, man. Yeah, it looks just as bad as this one. Maybe worse. <laughs> this one at least, at least looks a little real futuristic. Well, okay. Come on. So if you didn't know it's retro. the normal like uh, dustbuster type fa- hand phaser. Yeah. If you didn't know that that was a thing, this looks cool. But mm. if, but knowing that mm. you know the tip of it is just the dustbuster phaser. It's a dustbuster stuck phaser. Onto, Only uh, Yeah. It, it's like it's like like double the size or something. I mean it's like it's like a big dustbuster and and the yeah. 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 I, I just don't but you like the ones from Nemesis, the movie, the Chrome ones. No, I hate that. Well, okay, oh, hold on, hold like on this. a second, hold on. The phaser rifles that weren't stupid Chrome. What kind of military situation you want where you've got phasers that are Chrome that'll shine? Ugh. With Works well for light. the Cylons. Ugh. Okay, well, let's not bring that into it. Anyway, <laughs> I love what they use in First Contact. Those were good. Those were excellent design. Love it. Okay. Those are great phaser rifles. So you, you know. like the first contact ones, but you hate the Nemesis and the uh, TV show ones. Well, uh, TV. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I I hate the Deep Space Nine ones. Yes. And, and it, they might have used those. Did they ever use those in Next Gen? I don't know. But not crazy about them. Don't like them. Not one bit. Sorry. 
it's all right. Uh, what, We're all entitled how do you like, to our opinions. Exactly, we are. How about that phaser rifle that Janeway was uh, brandishing? when the entire ship was taken over and these bugs were, like, nesting in the crew's necks and things. Right, and she was walking around like Sigourney Weaver. Exactly, she was Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Uh, well, how'd you like that phaser rifle? Yeah, I, thought it, I thought it was... How is it different than this one? Oh, it's totally different than this design. Mm. And, and, and it's better than this design, but still, there's some things about it that looks kind of... Eh. It's just big. I mean, I think they said, okay, you got to take Janeway very serious here. Uh, make it a big phaser rifle. So they did, and it's it's a very different design from this. Well, I'll have to look it up because I thought it was the same one. No. No, not that one. Um, I, I know it was my, my phasers. That's true. That is your area of expertise. I, I, I do find it interesting. Anyway, moving on. Well, can we talk about uh, what happens when those phasers hit people? Because I really like <laughs> uh, the artwork. <laughs> they look like disruptors and stuff. Yeah, so you can see their bones and their flesh is just boiling off. Exactly. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think these guys don't use stun very often. <laughs> no, which which is why I have a hard time believing that all the people that we know and love from the TV shows made it, it, it that that are still alive in this continuity. Because I would think that if you kill people off as often as you do, then uh, you know you're not going to have the same population True. like you do in yeah. the alternate universe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yes, but uh, yeah, because if you're the only way you're going to get to the your your higher post is mostly because somebody beneath you killed you, or, or <laughs> you got there because you killed other people. Um, right. Yeah. You would think there'd be a lot fewer people. And I'd love how Picard is using a Klingon pistol. Arr, like a pirate. Right. Okay, so I see Broccoli using a phaser rifle, and then Data's using his Borg arm thing. And they yeah, seem to be doing the same things to people. Right, because it's, it's just a phaser nozzle on there. Okay, okay, okay. Well, anyway... All right, so I did cool look takeover. up uh, the Janeway phaser, and, yeah. it, and it is quite a bit different. You're right. Yeah, it almost looks like a ship, kind of. It's all sleek and <laughs> has like a fork, ta- ta- uh, fork nozzle type thing. So. Yeah, it's 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 not bad. It's good looking. It's good looking. Better looking than that Taz one with the coils and the. the that's antenna. old school. Come on, it the was a antenna. product of its age. Come on. <sighs> yeah, and then. Um, Juju bees on it, you know the uh, those are just little switches and lights. What do you mean? Well, yeah, the, the, there's there's three little lights. Well, dots. It looks like dots. You know the, the dots candy. Yeah. Okay. You were a child once. You have children. Um, yeah. The phaser rifle, the Taz phaser rifle, has three dots on it, and they look just like dots. And I can bet you that that's what they use. Just candy. <laughs> it's a yellow, an orange, and a red one. Right. I think those are buttons. Well, I know they're they're supposed to be. Oh, okay. But I think they look like uh, dots. I I really do think so. (laughs) Anyway, come on. That was my first phaser rifle. I I, I can't say anything bad about it. Not really. And it does look look cool in a retro way. Okay. Well, my traditional favorite phaser rifle was always the one from uh, First Contact. Until Discovery. Discovery's phaser rifles are very cool. And if so you take a close look at them, you'll see that they 
they channel bits of the original Pike laser pistol and also bits of the phaser rifle, the original Taz phaser rifle. Because if you oh, look really? closely, you'll see that in the original Taz phaser rifle, there are three like coils right. that look like they're coppery or brass or something, probably copper, for heat dissipation or whatever. And, and you, you, you rotate them. To, to switch between kill and other kinds of settings, which is really cool because you see Kirk actually doing that in um, Where No Man Has Gone Before. They've got that same idea with the Discovery phaser rifle. Only it's I'll, not... I'll it's, have to go back and look. Yeah, it's not, it's not cheap-looking copper-like kind of coils that look kind of laughable. Um, it, it's, it, it looks cooler. looks a lot cooler. Anyway... Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I see it, and and the and the front does have the like the the nozzles that had three different exactly uh, three different uh, exactly emitters. Right. All right. Yeah, I, I'll give you that one. Looks cool. Yeah, that's the I like those. Those are very cool. So, do you own one of those yet? Not yet, but I've got one ordered. Oh, do you? <laughs> I do. Anyway, Good. moving on. All right. Uh, so back to this issue. Really, nothing much happened. It was just pretty straightforward. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought the little conversation with Data and Riker was oh, not was really needed. Well, I, mean, I, I liked it though. You you liked it, yeah. Especially um, like Riker asks Data, you know, Riker asks Data what kind of android he is, and I just loved Data's answer. I thought that was so Data. Uh, what does he say? He'll have to think about it or something. No, what did he? I, I want to see the exact words. Uh, I'm still discovering that for myself, Commander Riker, test me, and we'll both find out together. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good line. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a little unnecessary because I was like, well, Riker did just betray his own captain for them, so why are they you know, standing there and, and trying to muscle in on him and obviously not trusting him or whatever? I, I, I don't know. I just want everybody to get along, and uh, yeah. I <laughs> thought that it was, it was like a little – it's like he just – he just committed mutiny for you, and now you're being like, don't get any other ideas. No, but in this universe, I think they're totally justified. Yeah, yeah. In this, I mean, that's exactly that, it. That's you, how they, that's how they, yeah, that's how they, they that's how, that's how it is in that universe. Exactly. So. If, if you're first, if you're first officer, it's almost your duty to kill your captain. <laughs> 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 Which is what makes this so weird. Um, anyway, right, so cool. Right. I, I do like the issue. It's a good one. It, but again, you, you had to get Picard over there. So fine. You've done it. You also had to show what a jerk Jellicoe is, even in this universe. Even though we've had this discussion before, when you look at it again, Jellicoe was not a warm, cozy person, fuzzy person. But maybe he wasn't as much of a jerk as he came off as in, in, the, in the Next Gen series. But he's right. a jerk here, baby. Oh, yeah. He's a jerk. Right. And this is the first time we actually see the Enterprise, um, and that's not a, like a blueprint or something. And right. it is definitely the three nacelled Enterprise. Indeed. Yep. Yep. We were talking about that. Right. And another thing that's interesting is uh, three nacelles, and we also talked about those like extra guns on, right. the, on the top of the saucer section. Right. Well, looking at the bottom of the saucer section, it almost looks like it's got a big gun. Right, yeah, like uh, it reminds me of. There's an old TV show called Star Blazers. Okay, um, Battleship 
Yamanote or whatever that oh, was the Japanese right, name. Right, and right, and right. it it was basically a, a ship, but it had this big giant uh, warp gun type thing. And mm-hmm. and that's that thing underneath the saucer section reminded me of that. Yeah. Okay. So was that the one where the where the spaceship looks like a submarine? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, not a submarine, but like a World War II um, aircraft carrier. Not aircraft carrier, but just battleship. battleship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I loved that show when I was a kid. I, I've never seen it. It probably has not held up well because it was made in the 60s. and Right. As we know, nothing from the 60s is any good. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> My favorite right. childhood uh, TV shows. Right. Okay. All right. Shall we move on to issue four? Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, I'll be doing number four, of course. Yeah, this one has a published date of September 2017. I thought the previous issue was July. Hmm. All right. Well, I've got it written down September, Um, so I'm not sure what happened to August. Yeah, it's September. Okay, so it skipped August for some reason. Skipped August, yeah. Okay, so uh, the writers, same. Art's the same. Do I see any? I really don't think anything's different, so I'm not going to restate it. The first cover, cover A, features a space battle with the Enterprise whomping on a Galore-class Cardassian battleship. Five Klingon birds of prey are in the battle, but only a few of them have come around to fire on the Enterprise. So uh, definitely she's outnumbered, but is she outmatched? Covers by J.K. Woodward. Cover B features Jordy. It's a pretty cool, highly stylized drawing of Jordy. He looks very cool. And he appears to be holding a big device like a weapon or something. Uh, Maybe it's a gun or maybe he's just standing right next to a really big device. But I think it's probably a big gun, uh, a BFG. The colors used are restricted. Yeah, so the colors are kind of interesting. So it's pretty much... Restricted to black, grays, and copper, like a copper color. And it looks really good. The, the coloring looks really nice. And, of course, Jordy looks really cool. Very cool looking. The retailer incentive cover features Picard, Riker, and Data standing on a rocky surface with a green background. The art, yeah. This art style kind of reminds me of the Star Trek Taws animated TV series kind of style but with TNG Mirror Universe characters. And I'm going to say it's not exactly the same. Let me just get that out there. I'm just saying it just reminds me a little bit of the uh, animated series. And this one was done by Jen Bartlett. In one of the Enterprise D shuttle bays, Data and Barkley transport a special guest within a big metal box. They are supposed to be transferring her to her new quarters on the new ship. The wild-eyed woman's name is Guinan, and much to Barclay's surprise, she is not just a figment of the ship's gossip mill. Data says she may be the last of her kind, which might have been what drove her mad. The captain values her intuition, her insight. As they escort the bedraggled Allurian out of the shuttle bay, Barclay comments on how the captain seems to have a soft spot for misfits and hard luck cases like Guinan and Data. After some consideration, Data asks whether the captain's soft spot includes Barclay. Meanwhile, on the bridge conference room, Picard congratulates Troy, Riker, and Geordi on what they have accomplished. They have the Enterprise and will rain hell 
down upon the Cardassians and Klingons. Oh yeah, Picard's bad. But first, they've got to get rid of the Jellicoe loyalists. Picard says they will do that at Neptune Station. After that, they must increase the remaining crew complement that is barely adequate to run the ship. Picard decides to use Wesley Crusher at navigation that currently has only one qualified officer to man it. Many objections are raised given Crusher's age and general freaky demeanor. Picard says the lad is brilliant and with some patience and training will excel at the position. Picard says next stop is Neptune Station where an old friend will take the Jellicoe Loyalists off their hands. When they arrive at the space station that looks oddly like a very well-armed space station K-7, Data and Barclay are assigned to transfer the prisoners, while Picard, Troy, and LaForge transport over to speak to the station administrator of the secret imperial penal installation. Tausta Fawn is an insectoid alien that runs the penal colony and its re-education programs. He was the ship's doctor on Picard's first command, so they're buddy-buddy. He gladly, uh, Fawn gladly takes on Picard's off-casts, until the Empire sends a ship around to collect them. In the meantime, they will make excellent test subjects of Dr. Fawn's most cutting-edge and risky research. Risky to the test subjects, that is. Picard and his away team return to the Enterprise with fewer mouths to feed. Deanna accosts Riker in 10 Forward, where Riker is not receptive to her presence at all. He fears her probing his mind again, and given his reaction, it must not have been a pleasant process. She makes it clear she does not... She makes it clear she wants to strike a deal with Riker to take over the ship for themselves, so much for Picard's most loyal and useful officer. At the end of the day, they kiss passionately after some back and forth to seal the deal. Meanwhile, Picard is in sickbay, having a difficult time talking Dr. Crusher into letting her special son take on the navigator's position. In the end, Picard treats the lad with some amount of respect and asks him if he wants to continue hiding or show his mettle. Standing tall, with wild hair at attention, Wesley says he's in. Picard congratulates him on an excellent decision and tells him to see the quartermaster for a uniform. He won't step foot on my bridge wearing a sweater. Beverly says her objections to the situation is not over, as Picard exits bound for the bridge. Picard is happy with his bridge crew, and gives them all his best William Wallace Braveheart speech, inspiring them all to embrace changes the ship will make possible for all of them. The return of the Enterprise to greatness! Three lesser starships come out of warp, including the Stargazer, dead ahead of the Enterprise. The task force commander tries to get Picard to give the Enterprise up. Fat chance, and without much trouble at all, Picard and his new Uber ship disables all three of her sister ships. As Picard is making the premature observation that they appear to be more than a match for whatever comes their way, over a dozen Klingon and Cardassian ships come out of warp and surround the Enterprise. All Riker has to say is, you are saying, to be continued.
Stargazer came back, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they got it. Whatever they did to disable it, they got it working again. Right. And coming for payback. So can we talk about the cover? Because I love that cover with the with the shot coming from that giant cannon underneath the, the saucer section. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. It's awesome. <laughs> this is a Star Wars poster right here. I mean, uh, this is not uh, exploration. This is just all-out war. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that thing is like um, a rail gun in the Halo, Halo. universe. Or right. maybe the three lasers that come to a focal point on the Excalibur and then shoots forward, which is from a um, Babylon 5's sequel, um, Crusade. It's just like an uber weapon. Just blast. Yeah. That looks good. Right. But even the even the, the Klingon ships that are flying by and shooting, you can – I mean even those phasers look cool or disruptors or whatever they are. Yeah. They, they look like sperm. Oh, man. <laughs> look at them. They, 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 but with straight tails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good though. I mean, I, it's a great cover. I agree with you. But I'm just saying <laughs> – it's kind of round on the top, at the front, and kind of sperm. Right. All right. You disagree? Uh, I never would have thought that on my own, but I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> good, good. Looks more like proton torpedoes from Star Wars or something. Oh, okay, okay. Good. Oh, they call them proton torpedoes? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because photon's a stupid name. Nah, <laughs> just kidding. Well, what... Okay, so proton, as in the little thing that makes up atoms. Right. Okay. As in okay. Captain Proton. As in Captain... <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. Captain Proton, to you, sir. Okay, so I got to tell you, that last panel, that big panel, uh, that's an awful lot of ships to be surrounded by. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're in it. Yeah, they're up to the neck in it. I mean, yeah, it's which ridiculous. in the next issue, it does not look like they have that many around them. Well, they, maybe they don't have them all in the same panel, or right. or they just want you to get the feeling that they're really in trouble, you know, to bring you back, you know, in the last last page of this issue, right? But there's a lot of them. I mean, it's not kind of so. This this definitely just has the bird of praise as far as Klingon ships. And then the big ships just seem to be the Cardassian uh, Galor class ships. So right. I don't recall in the next issue. Do they have any um, D seven like D sevens? No. Yeah, I think huh. it's pretty much the same. Oh, I wonder why. Well, whatever. I guess that's just the way they uh, they staff their uh, their hunting teams. Right. And then as far as the Federation ships, I like that uh, one of them is obviously an Ambassador-class ship, uh, the one that, that they get shot at on page uh, – I don't know what page it says. But uh, there's that shot where, where Picard is shooting, and that's obviously yep. an Ambassador-class ship. I agree. And then there's obviously the Stargazer, and then the other one kind of looks like an Ambassador-class, except it has the, the bent nacelles where it kind of bends back a little bit. Yeah, and plus the um... – Plus the um, – there's almost no neck to it, and, right. the, and the secondary hull is flatter, and it's got an extra thingy-do on the bottom. 
uh, I'm going to go with that's the extra um, cannon that uh, <laughs> that the <this> ship had. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can guarantee you that that is a that is that is a real ship. Oh, I know what it is. I okay. can't place it though. What is it? Ooh. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know exactly which one it is. I got one in my collection of ships. Okay, it's actually okay. So the one that I've got is the Chekhov. And it is a New Orleans class starship. New Orleans. Yep, a New Orleans class, of which the Eagle Moss, uh, one I've got, is named. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, th- I said Chekhov. That's wrong. It's the Kushu. Huh. So that's that's one of the ships that was at Wolf Three or no, was defending Earth in Next Contact, or was it Wolf Three Five Nine? I don't know. Anyway, but it's a New Orleans class ship. I never heard of that one. Well, in Best of Both Worlds, and again in um, First Contact, they had, I think it was mostly in First Contact, but they had a bunch of ships, um, a a lot more variety in the designs. Mm -hmm. But I I do, I'm pretty sure the Kushu, like the Melbourne, was one of the ships that was mentioned in uh, at Wolf Three Five Nine in uh, Best of Both Worlds. I'm pretty sure. Right now, does it have the thing on the bottom, or was that it added does. on just for this universe? No, it's it's got the thing on the bottom. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah, it's I'll sh- I'll sh- I'll send you a shot. But if you look up New Orleans class, I'm sure you'll be able to see it. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and it, it just shows the top view. I don't see anything that's on the bottom. Oh, okay. Oh, no, here it is. Okay, I see it now. Yeah, boy, that's an ugly ship. No, it's not It's not that great looking, no. no. Here in the comic book, it looks cool, but when you just look at it, it's like, it's really squatty, kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. With well, a bunch of little protuberances. Like, there's two on the top and one or two on the bottom, well, depending um, on which picture I'm looking at. Yeah, and I'm reasonably, if I remember the, the story about when they created this one, they were just trying a lot of different like variations on existing starships. Mm-hmm. So this one's a lot smaller than the Enterprise, a lot smaller, but but it has a similar uh, primary hull saucer section. And then they add these other things on it, which they were joking were like big lighters. <laughs> All yeah. right. So the two things on the uh, on the saucer section that were kind of glued on, and then yeah. the thing underneath, big lighters. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, and it was uh, Wolf three five nine that the oh it was was okay. There you go. The Kushu, Um, and they had a lot of ships there you you may not have seen before, but then they had even more in uh, First Contact. And they used a lot of them in the Dominion War episodes. There you go. I mean, in the Dominion War episodes, there's tons of ships just in the background, just kind of flying in formation. Right. That uh, you could probably, and I'm sure they were mostly just reusing the ones that they had in either First Contact or this, but uh, it was pretty cool so, to watch them. So was it First Contact first, or was it um, the Dominion War, the big the big First finale? Contact first. Oh, okay. So, but, yeah, I can. I think okay. they reused a lot of the First Contact ships. Because they're wearing the, the gray uniforms and stuff, so it's right. definitely, right, and right, right. Worf's there, so. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's really amazing the variety of ships they started to get involved. Because obviously in Taws, <laughs> you Pretty much just saw one kind. Everything was a galaxy class. It was the... No, uh, Constitution class. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Constitution class. Now, oh my god, I, I I'm embarrassed now. Yes, yeah, yes. Constitution class, uh, and that was it because that's all they had money for. But they got a lot more variety uh, when they had like movies and three TV series going. So I guess they must have had more money from Paramount. Right. Something they should have saved up so that we can get some more movies now. You ain't kidding. Yeah, so... Okay, we're, we can't... We shouldn't go on a tra- no, tangent. We're not going to But ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully, by the time we record this, there'll be... Or post this, there'll be some... There'll be better news. Star Trek Four news, but right now it's uh, being held up due to budgetary constraints. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, Chris Pine and Thor walking away from the bargaining table, whatever... And if you're having financial difficulties, you probably don't have a lot of money to be paying the stars. But you can't have Star Trek Four without Pine. You Unless they just go straight to Next Generation, which I would be okay with. Or what if they said, screw all this stuff. Let's go with the other director. Gosh. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino? Quint, let, go with the Quentin Tarantino one. He wasn't going to use any of the uh, Next Gen folks anyway. Original series folks? Uh, uh, the JJ-verse folks. Right. Right. I'd be but, okay with that too. Well, that would be cool, but you know, there's so much goodwill <laughs> built up with that cast, right? And I think they're really good, and it would be a real shame. I would rather have a Star Trek four and a Tarantino movie, not instead of, right? And I want to see what. How are they going to handle the checkoff thing? Oh, is is, right. is are they going to even mention it? Is he off somewhere else? They're going to try to kill him off off screen. Well, I don't know. I, and, I, I I hope they just. I think you said this too. I hope they just reassign him, right? So we never never see him. But what also stinks is that boldly go the comic book has has stopped. So as of right now, end of 2018, we don't have any of the JJ Universe media to consume. Yeah, it's all well, Discovery or nothing. Well, I guess we get a little bit of this next gen, which is nice. No, it's very nice. Are you kidding? And I hope they keep going with this, as yeah. they may be. Anyway, getting back to this issue. Yeah. So I, I love seeing Guinan. Only like everything else, this is the mirror universe Guinan. So she's, she's crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy, and they keep her in a metal box. Uh, I mean, wouldn't that make you crazy? Anyway, mm-hmm. and we'll see more of her in the next issue. But she's uh, she's crazy. And and I have a comment about her contribution to the next issue storyline, but I'm going to save that for then. So I do like how they talk about kind of uh, the old mystery of how, how does Picard know Guinan in, in the normal continuity, and, and they kind of keep it up here is that you know they have some sort of long relationship, but uh, but nobody knows how he knows her and why he keeps her. Right. And I thought that was that was cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So did somebody write that out, what the backstory is? I mean, is there a backstory or they just never really wrote it? I think they never really wrote it. It was always just like this like, mystery oh, thing that there. they okay. would just talk about. I recently saw a interview with Whoopi Goldberg, and she was saying that she, had, she was having lunch with LeVar Burton. Apparently they know each other. And he was just starting to be on Star Trek. And then he said that to her, and she was like, Star Trek? Tell him I want to be on it. I'd love to be on Star Trek. And then nothing for a year, and next time you know, they, 
they have lunch or whatever, they see each other. And Burton tells Whoopi, they didn't believe me. <laughs> they, they just didn't believe that Whoopi Goldberg would have any interest in, in doing Star Trek. And then he said, well, you tell them, G- give me their phone number. And she called him. And uh, I don't know whether she talked to Berman or, uh, or I'm not sure who she, who she, who she talked to. But um, anyway, so that's a little bit of the background of how she got on. Right. Well, she was one of the biggest stars at that time. I mean, exactly. She was, she was a big popular. movie star. Exactly. So why would she want to do TV uh, or TV? Why would she want to do Star Trek? And it wouldn't right. be a starring role. It'd be just, you know, another, you know, a supporting character. Just the random bartender episode. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, so the rest is history. I love Picard's comment. You're not going to wear a sweater on my bridge to Wesley. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it was cute yeah that was good okay so I love the fact that it's Troy that's making moves on betraying Picard right by talking to Riker and everything exactly so you got Barkley and Data that are protecting Picard and you've got Troy who from all closest confidant exactly exactly one of his most uh, valued I would think officers uh she's got special abilities and uh she's got plans to get rid of him right now that's good i mean not good but uh it was good writing well it is well when we get to the end of the next issue i just have some comments on that so are those gorn on the uh the plant the on k7 yeah (laughs) on uh, on the what neptune station right that's a that's a good question um, they were they were lizards, right? They looked cool. Oh yeah, okay. So so Fawn himself is a is a bubbly headed insect kind of guy, and right. then the other guys are definitely like lizard guys. Right. So I was wondering if they were Gorn because he huh. kind of says that they're new um, new security guards or something. Right. Well, they're definitely not much like the Taz Gorn, <laughs> <laughs> certainly. But they look a little, you know, because the the Gorn in the Enterprise episode was pretty good. And that was also the Mirror Universe. Right. Is that what it's based off of? Okay. Yeah. And I'm asking what what you thought when you were reading it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think that they were Gorn. But now that you mention it, uh, they could have been. They could have been. And that CGI Gorn in the Enterprise episode. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I guess. I guess he kind of looks like that. We also had Gorns popping up in the uh, JJ-verse comics. Well, and the video game, too. And the video game. And they didn't quite look like that, although uh, maybe a little. Right. Well, in the video game, and I think in the comic book, there was different classes. So the the classic Gorn was one class, but then there was tons of other uh, reptilian classes that... Uh, Oh, yeah. is that what it was? Different. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, did you never play the game? You really should play the game. Well, I began playing the game, but I didn't have the time. Find the time. Sorry, man. Kid. Sorry, man. Find it. So, but what about the doctor? Is he somebody we've seen before? Because he looks like nothing I've ever seen. No, I've never seen him before. Okay. And I, it kind of throws me off because his head is not symmetrical. So it's like, no. there's something like extra creepy about him. It is. And I'm not quite sure where his eyes are. 
I mean, it kind of looks like his eye is like high and on the side of his head, maybe. But then maybe his eyes are actually closer to a normal spot. Right. It's kind of hard to tell. I, yeah, I think I he, see where his mouth is and maybe where his nostrils are, but right, I don't know. Same here. Yeah. I wish they would have drawn him in, in a brighter light, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, so yeah, Picard just dumps off uh, a bunch of crew members there. Yeah, that's how he got rid of the uh, the loyalists, I guess. I want to bring that up next issue after we know how this all resolves because okay. I, I would think that uh, this wouldn't go down well with certain people. Oh, you mean Starfleet or something? Or what do you mean? Oh, yeah, whatever the, the – Or whatever the equivalent the empire, of the empire. whatever the Terran Empire. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be too happy with him that he both stole a ship and sent a bunch of their citizens to be – experimented on by this alien dude yeah but you know this is such a whack world it's like a dog eat dog uh the strongest survive kind of dynamic which is weird they sent three ships after him and they weren't too happy with him they wanted to get that ship back i don't know but i do like some of the uh scenes here remind me of some of the taws episodes at the tantalus colony especially with how some of those uniforms look and that chair. Um, so I don't know if you remember that episode. No, I don't. Okay. Well, there's an ep- well, there's an episode where it's a penal colony kind of thing, and there's the guy who's running the penal colony is doing experiments and and pain stuffs going on, and just a lot of stuffs going on that kind of echoes this mm. a bit. And that's where they got. That's where they're getting this from. Some of it. Okay. Some of it. Of course, that wasn't a space station. That was like on a planet, as I recall. But uh, And speaking of the space station, hey, it's K-7 with a lot of big guns on it. So where does it show the whole station? Um, oh, there it is. I see it now. Yeah. It's just on the view screen that one time. It's on the view screen. Well, that's the only shot you get to see. Yeah, okay. I see it now. But it's got the three arms coming out. With like the saucer kind of things at the end of each arm, that's yep. smaller versions of what's in the in the top of the middle spindle. So they were definitely channeling the space station from the Trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. Only they got a lot more stuff on it, which looked like guns. Right. <laughs> Wasn't that your so. first model that you ever put together? Was K seven? Uh, it was not my first model. My first model was probably the Enterprise, and I built many Enterprises because they would all break in the same place. The nacelles? Exactly. That, well, yeah. the nacelle pylons. That's right. where it would always break. But I definitely built a, a, a K7 or two in my childhood. Oh, yes. My first model was an Enterprise D. Oh. First time Good I choice. ever uh, ever messed with the Enterprise D or any, any model. So I, I was always, you know, the super glue thing or not super glue, but modeling glue was really like didn't quite master it because it was a little, maybe a little sloppy. Mm-hmm. But also – I stuck those stupid uh, engines on backwards. So for my Enterprise, the red bits were in the back. (laughs) How old were you? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Sixth grade or something like that. Okay. 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 That's uh, that's a bit of something to get wrong there, my friend. Well, Enterprise, it was a brand new show. (laughs) It was season one. I hadn't seen it that much. You didn't have videos and i didn't have the comic books yet didn't you have a picture on the box yeah but 
You oh. didn't. You didn't follow the directions. The nacelles were gray. I stuck them on, thinking uh-huh. that oh, this 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 is going to be the glowy bit in the back, and then I realized my mistake, and I could never get those stupid nacelles off. So Donovan, do you assemble like uh, furniture, like <laughs> like maybe home entertainment centers or now, things like or that? Now, now, yeah, of course. Do you actually do decently at that? Yeah, it's all still together. <laughs> it is. You're probably not reading those instructions either. Okay. I look, I browse through them, make sure I got the gist. Okay. And then it's the guy from uh, that from Home Improvement. Yeah, exactly. All right, I don't need instructions. Okay. All right, all right. That's what – oh, you just need to get longer screws. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just need more power. Okay. So that's all I have to say about this one. All right, I'm – I'm done as well. Okay. So let's see how it all wraps up. Shall we? Please. Oh, yes. All right. So this is issue six. It also came out October 2017. Uh, issue number five uh, has three covers. And the first cover has Picard standing on some stairs there in the middle of the, the bridge, which I don't think the Enterprise has stairs in the middle of the bridge like this, but uh, this one does. He's standing there looking out at the view screen, which is where you're at. And then um, we see a spiky-haired Wesley, a muscle-bound Data, and all the other people there on the bridge looking handsome as ever. That cover was by J.K. Woodward. The next one was by George Kalstotis, and it is Data in that weird art style. And he has a mechanical hand, which actually has five fingers, but they're robotic five fingers, not the the normal data flesh. And then the last one is a cover by Rachel Stott. And it shows Picard kind of punching through a mirror that's breaking, which is as if he was punching the uh, TV screen that we're watching. And uh, in some of the shards, it looks like it's the normal data, the normal Riker. But then in other ones, it's the, the mirror version of them all. And we see Riker, Troy, Data, Picard, and Geordi. And then I think there's actually the Enterprise. Nope, that's just the logo in the background. So the uh, art staff, writing staff, everything's the same. So I won't go through that again. The story starts off right there in the middle of the fight between the Cardassian Klingon forces and the Terran Empire. After the Cardassians destroy the ISS Arnold, Picard orders a retreat, and he tells the other Terran ships to follow if they know what's good for them. That's when a very grungy Guinan barges onto the bridge. Uh, Picard, Crusher, and Guinan uh, step aside into the captain's ready room, and she tells him to check his ego. This is Guinan's saying this. And she also says that he needs to think about what the ship can do for him, not what he can do for the ship. So uh, Picard goes back to the bridge, and he says that he's open to suggestions. This is when super smart Wesley suggests that they should break the ship into three, the saucer section, the engineering section, and then the captain's yacht. Everyone agrees that this will help even the odds, which it shouldn't because we saw in the last issue there's hundreds of ships so i don't see how three would help but they do Riker is being tasked with piloting the yacht and the rest of the crew start making plans for saucer separation on his way to the smaller ship troy pulls Riker aside and they share a passionate kiss once the cardassian and klingon fleet arrives 
Picard contacts them and informs them that the yacht is actually an experimental antimatter weapon, and Riker pilots it into the middle of the ships. The Cardassians think he's bluffing, but they do spend a good number of their resources trying to swat away the small ship just in case. While the enemy is being distracted, Picard orders the engineering section to perform several micro-jumps all around the Cardassian ships. And every time they come into real space, they fire their phaser and then jump again as fast as possible. The result is that it seems like the Cardassian ships are being hit from multiple directions all at once. With that, the rest of the Terran ships arrive along with the saucer section, and they start wiping out the rest of the Cardassian and Klingon ships. Eventually, the enemy ships retreat, and this is the first real victory for the Empire in a very, very long time. Admiral Quinn then contacts Picard and officially grants him command over the Enterprise. Later, there's a huge victory feast. Barclay voices his concerns about how he, not too long ago, wanted to murder Picard himself, and he knows that many of the other crew members felt the same way. So he wonders, how long until those old feelings start to return? The end. Aha! Foreshadowing. Yep. Again, why can't we all get along? Well, exactly. So the crew worked together and they achieved great things when they weren't trying to jockey for position. And that, that's why it was almost like seeming like, well, this doesn't seem that much like, uh, like all the Taz Mirror Universe ones because ultimately everybody was really nasty. Where this one, they all came together under Picard and they all did a great job. But it was kind of cool how at the end Barkley kind of brings it back to... You know, things are nastier here than than normal. (laughs) Right. It's going to get nasty again. Okay, so we know that Broccoli is supposed to ascend. So who knows where his next ascension is going to happen. He's going to try to kill Data. Good luck. And then we've got Troy and Riker, you know, know, having machinations on taking out Picard. And who knows it? Who else? I mean, maybe... uh, uh, Dr. Crusher is not too happy about what uh, Picard is doing with her darling son, which really she shouldn't be whining because he seems to be, you know, getting in a lot better place than he was in. But Yeah, he's uh, saving the day. Exactly. So I'm kind of looking forward to see which of these threads, uh, outstanding, unresolved storylines are going to be in the next ones. Which apparently right. have been published. So, great. Yeah, so hopefully next week we'll find out. Oh, okay. We're going to just jump right right into it, huh? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, did you notice that Wesley uh, got his hair cut? I didn't realize that in the last issue. Um, that he, when he puts on the uh, the uniform, he combs his hair to he the, normal, hair Wesley, the exactly. normal Wesley style. His adult look. Right. I did not realize that um, because on the cover of Five, he still has the spiky hair. Exactly. But uh, but in the book itself, he has the normal Wesley hair. Yeah. And it looks chiseled and perfect. So. Right. Yep. He looks his, just like – His adult do. His, his big boy do. <laughs> As opposed to – he, he kind of always had the same hair, didn't he? No, he didn't. His hair was down lower. It was like, like more bangy. And uh, then, and then here, when he got his big boy hair, it's all combed back. Mm. Take a look. Take a look. Now, now well, this I is know, not, I know. Here, these I'm are not good. About... Yeah, these are not good. Good to look at because he's got spiky hair. 
But look right. at the old, uh, the old ones yeah, where he's wearing I'll sweaters. To, I'll have to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> he doesn't comb his hair back until he became, you know, hope. Oh, um, I'm big. So boy he now. fails out of Starfleet. Well, that that then, that happened uh, later. That happened no, later. No, no, no. He failed the test, and then that's when he was still wearing the sweater when he didn't get into Starfleet Academy, and then Picard then just makes him acting when acting ensign, and he starts wearing the uniform. Exactly. And where he's uni- wearing the uniform, he's got his big boy hair. Mm. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so... So uh, what do you think of the, the fight, the the ploy with the uh, the captain's yacht and all that stuff? Well, okay. So they got how many shuttles and they use the captain's yacht? I mean, why didn't you use more shuttles? You got a bunch of shuttles, but... I, th- I thought it was an interesting choice they picked the captain's yacht. And by the way, they picked the captain's yacht from the Enterprise E, not the captain's yacht from the Enterprise D. Right, because there is no captain's yacht in the Enterprise D. There is. We've never seen it. I know that. I completely agree with you. Um, here, I know that it's in the blueprints. Well, yeah. Okay, so I've never seen that shown on any movie, any TV show, anything. But I went – I was looking for information about the Cousteau, the Enterprise E's um, uh, captain's yacht. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, it, it mentioned the Enterprise D's yacht, um, which was like it, – and its name – do you know what its name was? No. Okay. It's, called, it's the Calypso. Okay. Which I have no idea where they have this information from, but they claim it's the Calypso. And uh, they have a picture that shows it docked at the bottom side of the uh, saucer section on the Enterprise D. Yeah, I've seen pictures, uh, and I think in the blueprints they say that that's the captain's yacht. But but, yeah, it never popped out, and I never even noticed it until after Insurrection and they established that there was a captain's yacht. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I've never seen it. I think they've mentioned it in in some of the the novels, but – there you go. But yeah, I, when I saw this, I was like, that one looks like Enterprise E. I didn't exactly. go back and check it, but... Oh, it was. It looked a little more streamlined than, than what they were right. making for the TV show. Right. So the Cousteau was the Enterprise E's um, captain's yacht. So, yeah. I thought it was interesting. I mean, it, I mean, you got the saucer section break apart and then the battle bridge and blah, blah, blah. You know all that stuff. But then mm-hmm. it's like, well... And then you got this tiny shuttle. You know, it's like, wow, what are you going to do with that? Throw rocks? <laughs> I don't know. Right. And then I find it hard to believe that Riker's that good of a pilot that he was able to outwit hundreds of other ships. Yeah. That's BS. Yeah, and, and then the idea I thought it was I thought it was great that um you know, in this kind of universe, that is exactly how you would want to get rid of your first officer. <laughs> Put him into a situation like this, and if the uh, bad guys don't blow him up, you blow him up. Uh, but no, that was not Picard's intent. Yeah, no, he, he so. gave him a pep talk and everything. Exactly. You're the only man I trust with this. Woman. Exactly. Exactly. You must do it. Go out there <laughs> in a tiny shuttle with probably <laughs> tiny shields and maybe no armaments, and you just distract them. Good idea. Right. We'll be yeah, right behind you. We've seen it take out the whole 
ISS Arnold, but uh, I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. But it worked. I mean, he he literally was just a decoy. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. So can we talk about the the big maneuver though? The uh the engineering section flying out everywhere? The the Picard maneuver? They got to call yeah. this the Picard maneuver. Or we've seen Star Trek Discovery already and we're going to do the same thing here. It was the exact same thing that uh that uh, they do in Star Trek Discovery with the Discovery beaming all over around a ship to destroy it. Yeah. 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 I mean, even when they show it in that big wide panel, it was like, that looks just like it did when I was watching it on Star Trek Discovery with, uh, when it was just popping in and out of space and firing all at the same time. Right. Oh, so, the, um, w- when they calculated the different jumps they had to make. But the yeah, thing the is, they had a spore drive. You know, right? And 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 Picard just has an extra a third nacelle. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, maybe maybe that's the spore drive in the alternate universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have they they even they even make some mention about how the the third drive is balancing out the what you call it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was a bunch of BS, but it's like, well, okay, you're gonna have to do something to uh, to be able to take on this many ships. Right. So. Yeah, it is a bunch of BS, and I think that uh, I mean, so Star Trek Discovery was coming out right after this book came out, or I mean, it's just that the, they had to have been being worked on at the same time. Yeah. Well, is this it possible is, uh, somebody knew uh, about it? I, I don't know. Um, October two thousand seventeen. So I guess Star Trek Discovery had just started. So. Yeah. It's probably just a coincidence, but my goodness, it's a big coincidence. I think you don't think it. You don't. You don't think it's the exact same maneuver. Well, it's not exactly the same, but well, actually, it's similar, but it's being done by different means. Right. So right. in this case, they're doing micro jumps, um, micro warp, standard warp jumps, right. and they're doing them every one what one point five every one point five seconds. So it's like if a ship could do that kind of thing. I'm kind of surprised they haven't tried it already. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, anyway. Right. I still like how in that DC comic where where Kirk fired the photon torpedo and then beamed it behind the ship, behind the uh, ship or whatever, and then so the trajectory still, the momentum still pushed it forward straight into the ship, but it was now in the back, so it hit the place where it wasn't shielded all right i thought that was brilliant i was like man you should just do that every time just (laughs) don't even fire the photon torpedoes just beam them yeah well um i i I hope i i'm not repeating myself but in uh stargate another franchise to take out the bad guys in atlantis stargate atlantis um they started beaming nuclear bombs onto the bad guy ships so they had like transporter technology kind of thing and it's like, well, yeah, do that all the time. <laughs> do that all the time. Anyway. Do they have the same constraints about shields and stuff like that in Star- Stargate? Uh, apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm, do, they, 
do the wraiths have transporter? I'm not sure that wraiths have transporter technology at all. Uh, well, whatever. Anyway, it's been a while since I've seen those things. Right. But, um, back to this. So, um, you mentioned before we started recording that you really liked the cover. Nah. <laughs> so thanks where, where do thanks for giving me thanks for giving me the transition. Uh, yeah, I I'd never seen them before. Okay, but it does make Picard look look good up there. So yeah, he does. Uh, and okay, you give me the opening. Should I go for it? Why not? Go for it. Sure. Okay. So of course everybody's got huge arms. You know they. You know everybody works out and like everybody's like. Brr. You know so they're all like like WWE wrestlers or something. But on this particular cover where Picard is like three quarters towards a facing forward, um, his right arm is very prominent and it's kind of like hanging out there on the side a little bit. And it is huge. He's got a huge uh, arm and it almost looks out of proportion with the rest of his body. And that just totally made me laugh because it totally reminded me of an episode of Rick and Morty that was called uh, Rick Mansing the Stone, where Rick injects Morty with um, some DNA from some severed warrior's arms because they, they find themselves in an alternate uh, dystopian dimension where it's kind of like Mad Max time. Uh, th- with Thunderdome and everything, and they got fights going on inside of the uh, Thunderdome kind of thing. Anyway, uh, here's Morty, if you know the character, skinny little kid, whatever, and he's got this huge arm, <laughs> out, of sh- out of shape arm that is just wreaking havoc when he gets into fights and things. And uh, I sent Donovan a, a picture of it before the, uh, before the episode. But if you ever have seen that episode of Rick and Morty, I think you will agree. Uh, it has some similarities to this, uh, you know, Picard on this cover. So he uh, he thought it would make him all buff, and it just ended up being just the arm. Uh, or was he th- going things, for that? Things happen. I don't. I don't think you. There's probably a lot of episodes of Rick and Morty you haven't seen yet. I'm going to guess. I haven't seen a single one. Oh, you haven't seen any? Okay, well. No. You just don't want to question the science. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I'm just trying to figure out what the what what was the what well, was the well, planned the, reaction. The, well, the plan was he was going to shoot him up with this you know, warrior DNA, and there was supposed to be like race memory or something of how to fight and things. And then he only was able to shoot it into one of his arms before Morty is taken over by this arm. And he goes jumping into the uh, like the Thunderdome kind of thing. So, so Rick never had a chance to do anything else but but just inject one arm. Um, and the idea was to have Morty, you know, lay waste to some people to act as a distraction, so that Rick could get what he needed to get and get out of there. Right. Um, okay. Which is a common theme in Rick and Morty is <laughs> uh, Rick. Sometimes uses Morty as like uh, like cannon fodder to to like get away from things. Anyway, you really should watch the the show. It's very funny. Okay, we should move on. <laughs> All right, uh, back to this issue. Um, I really don't have that much more to say about 
the issue itself. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Loved the artwork. Um, I know that you had something you wanted to say about Guinan earlier. You said oh, uh, I want to talk well, about that later. Yeah, I mean, really, I don't think she contributed anything to the story. Okay, so she rushes in, and you know, a lot of times Guinan ends up telling you something about the Borg or whoever that's like useful. But it's like, okay, so what did she tell him? That he, I mean, what did what did Guinan tell him that he didn't already know? That he has to take advantage of the Enterprise's special capabilities and use them uh, to take to help take advantage of the situation, uh, or else we're all going to get killed. It's like, right. okay, you know, no feces, Sherlock. Thanks. I mean, did Picard not know that he had to do something <laughs> like that? And then it's Wesley who, you know, comes up with the plan. I mean, he didn't hear what Guinan said. He's already thinking about all this kind of things, you know, you can do with the ship. Because um, he's been he's been quick study of the technical, technical journals uh, on the ship. So, uh, I don't know. I just didn't think Guinan added much to it. I agree. I mean, yeah, all she says is – I mean, but they spend like four pages on her getting there and yeah. then breaking in, and then yeah. all she says was think about what the ship can do for you. Right. Okay. I, I, I'm with you. I thought I thought it was kind of a waste of yeah. her character. Yeah, well, like Picard wasn't going to do that anyway? Anyway, whatever. Well, I kind of uh, – well, maybe he was just going to go in there and just start shooting – and go out in a blaze of glory like the other ships. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Guinan. <laughs> um, I loved how, I think it was Riker. Riker refers to the Cardassians as spoonheads. I thought that was great. Kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. Oh, yes, that's funny. Well, it's it's funny because anybody that knows... The, the series well knows that what the uh, the makeup guy uh, awesome uh, prosthetics and, and makeup guy supposedly said something like I'm gonna put a spoon on the forehead of these new aliens for Deep Space Nine and people will accept it <laughs> supposedly <laughs> yeah he did yeah he he did say that right that's not just yeah a legend, no no right? that's on the the special edition there that's on the special okay. features of the d v d okay there you go, so he did it, <laughs> and Riker's calling it out. I love that that's good well, I think they've called them spoonheads on the show, oh did they yeah oh i I, I think uh, I don't remember that I think miles did in that in that episode where oh. uh Goldicott, who wasn't Goldicott, uh, okay. was on the on the ship, and miles went through his whole like we were at war with you, and now you're just walking around and blah, 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 blah. You remember any of that? Uh, kind of. I just don't remember him calling them spoonheads. But I definitely know um, Miles is the one, I think, the first one I heard that called him Cardis. Uh, well, maybe that's what it was. I remember that. Uh, because, you know, uh, Miles was a, uh, you know, was a foot soldier, basically, in a lot of uh, nasty situations. Uh, in the war, and uh, he was he he knew the Cardassians well. Dirty Cardies, right? Well, anyway, I wish Miles was in this comic. Yeah, of Miles. that would be cool. But I guess 
He was off. His name ship. is Smiley on this in this universe. Oh right, he's, he's off with Sis, uh, Cisco. So right. I guess it makes sense that he's not there. Right. Good attention, Tipton brothers. Exactly. You exactly. got me. Oh, uh, well, speak. But you mentioned um, Gal Dukat. So there is a Cardassian commander that's like on the on the view screen. Uh, you know, Nemesis. Mm-hmm. For Picard, and uh, at first I thought I just looked. I didn't start reading it yet, but I just looked at the panel and said, "Oh, well, this has to be Galdicott. right?" And it's like, and I start reading and stuff, and like, oh, it's not Galdicott. It's Golden Dinar. Galdinar. Right. Okay, I don't remember Galdinar, but okay, that's fine. So I looked him up. Is is he the is he the guy from that Next Generation episode played he, by Galdicott? Uh, I think it's played by a different, uh, a different actor. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So Guldenar was a Cardassian military officer who served as the commander of the Galer class starship Aldara. So he was assigned to hunt down the Konma terrorist. Well, anyway, it was a Deep Space Nine episode. Oh, okay. Then it wouldn't. Be so good. he he was tangling with uh, Cisco. Gotcha. Anyway, so looking at the photo of the actor, or not of the actor, but of the character in full makeup, spoonhead makeup, um, it's like, oh, I kind of recognize him. I think he was around earlier in the uh, Deep Space Nine run. But mm. anyway. All right. Anything else so, you got to say? Uh, uh, no, that's it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing what the next step is. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing exactly how far out the Tiptons have planned all this. Right. So next week we'll find out what the Tiptons have in store with us with uh, the Star Trek Next Generation Through the Mirror. Cool. It's a five-parter, so we'll do the first three issues uh, next week. Cool. Okay. Uh, And then maybe we'll slip in a gold key. Oh, there you go. Depending on how big, uh, big the issues are. Right. Well, they're normal issues, but okay. I think this one is going to be more like the original Taz crossover things because I know that uh, half the story is in the regular universe, and then the, it's them bleeding over into the mirror universe. So we will get oh. our Picard versus this Picard. Oh, oh, how interesting. Hmm. Okay. Not what I was, I was expecting. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Should be good. Okay. D- a little different. All right. All right, then. Well, thank you for everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Okay. Until next time, see you with phasers set to stun. I was going to say kill. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Pretty violent, Ken. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, thanks, everybody. See you. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, stcomic.com. Second name, book review. 
See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.